Hi, Alabaster Jar listeners. This is Lynn Kohick with an exciting announcement. The Center for Women in Leadership is hosting an event. Let me ask you, are you looking for hope? Well, I want you to join us for this one day gathering of empowerment and encouragement. We are featuring the theme of Dr. Scott McKnight's next resource on Tove. You know, Tove, that Hebrew word for goodness. We're going to explore how we can change church culture from just tolerating toxicity to cultivating goodness. And I'm excited to announce our two keynote speakers. Dr. Lisa Bowens will remind us that we are a sisterhood and a family of change agents that are moving into the future with mutual flourishing. And Vivian Mabuni, she helps us explore a willingness to risk, to say yes to whatever God asks us, helping us to forge a practical path to deeper joy. Let's move from church hurt to Christ's hope. Join us for Tove 2022. You can find more information at our website, Center for Women in Leadership here at Northern Seminary. Welcome to the Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. This week, our host, Dr. Lynn Koig, is joined by Dr. Andrea Robinson. Andrea currently serves as the discipleship pastor at Building Church, a non-denominational congregation in Madison, Alabama. She received a PhD in Biblical Interpretation from New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and a Bachelor's in Chemical Engineering from the University of Alabama in Huntsville. She is the author of the Rooted and Flourishing devotional series, as well as Temple of Presence, the Christological Fulfillment of Ezekiel 40-48 through in Revelation 21-22, through the published version of her dissertation. In her research and writing, Andrea focuses on wisdom literature and apocalyptic literature, in addition to issues surrounding holistic health and environmental stewardship. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on the Alabaster Jar. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you guys today. Well, yes, we, uh, we haven't actually, I mean, we don't go back too far in our friendship. It's kind of a recent one. We were both at the Kerygma conference uh, that Lisa Harper uh, did last May, and we're both planning to go back again Mm -hmm. uh, next year when it's held in April. And then we've also crossed uh, paths at the Evangelical Theological Society meeting. So we've kind of been in the same circles, but it's so awesome to be able to chat with you for a while just on on what you're doing. You connected with me about your new devotional, a four-part series that connects creation and and the Bible. The one that I read, which focuses on the fall, is called Rooted and Flourishing. We'll definitely talk about that in Mm -hmm. in a minute. It was so fantastic. But before we dive into that, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about who you are. I mean, you're the discipleship pastor at the Building Church in Madison, Alabama. Um, what what does that mean? I love the title, uh, but what what 
what does that mean? And then if you could tell us just a little bit about what disciple in your mind, what what discipleship is, because I, I, you know, we hear this word all the time, but I think there's I think it can be misunderstood. And so, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what you do and then what is discipleship? Yes, I would love to. So discipleship pastor is sort of a huge umbrella term, uh, almost a catch all for many, many different tasks. But in a nutshell, I foster and guide the spiritual growth of all the adults in our church family. And that takes many forms. Uh, I do a lot of pastoral care, one-on-one um, -on -one ministry. I also uh, oversee our new member classes, what we call our starting point, sort of an obvious place to get started. Uh, I oversee our small groups, which we call life groups, because we are doing life together. Uh, I also led the initiative to develop a uh, growth and leadership track, which has been a huge, um, huge blessing to my life and to our church. So in conjunction with our lead pastors, Spencer and Ellen Beach, and a few key leaders, we developed this curated series of, of courses that we feel, uh, you know, we start with the fundamentals and then we move on to deeper topics like faith-based leadership and um, delving into some deeper spiritual disciplines. And um, so I continue to oversee that and um, help people through that process as well. And uh, we've just seen God really bless our church through that and bless individuals because, you know, as we know, the healthier we become in Christ, that impacts all, all aspects of our life, not just when we're in church, but it impacts our family life, our workplace. Um, so I think discipleship itself is a very broad term that can be defined and interpreted and applied differently depending on our different faith backgrounds. And so in my role at, uh, at our church and, and really in my personal ministry, I sort of define it through the filter of our church's vision statement, which is every person living a Jesus first life, growing spiritually and living missionally. And so we try to really equip and empower people, <clears throat> excuse me, to live, to live that Jesus first life, to live out biblical values and kingdom values. And, you know, I think a lot of churches would say that, but uh, we really... Uh, make hard choices. We have hard, hard conversations and uh, on a regular routine basis, really almost weekly, I'll have difficult conversations, not to, not for the goal of correcting behavior, but really to help people avoid pitfalls, to protect them and to help them grow in Christ um, in a deeply rooted way. If, you know, if, if, um, if somebody is ha if someone's having a personal struggle, then we're going to hit it head on. We're going to we're going to talk through the hard issues. And uh, in addition to that, we, we don't just talk through things, but we provide opportunities for ministry. We co-labor alongside them. We we bring them with us when we're doing hospital visits, when we're doing outreach work and um when people are struggling, we'll pay for professional counseling. You know, as pastors, we we can give a lot of guidance. We can offer <laughs> biblical truths, but we don't necessarily have all the expertise that a professional counselor does. And so we will literally pay for members of our church to see professional counselors. 
So I just we want to do everything in our power to equip people to truly live out what the Bible teaches so that they see when we live that out, God, um, God does what he, what he says he's going to do. Oh, amen. I, as you're talking, I'm just thinking of Ephesians 4. I love Ephesians, you know, I've written on that mm-hmm. and, and have kind of lived in Ephesians for a long time. And that chapter 4 often gets hopped over, but it it has so much in discipleship. And I love the picture of maturing, right? Mm-hmm. Becoming a mature adult. You also mentioned um, you have a growth in leadership track. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about maybe the uh, relationship between discipleship and leadership. I think some people say everyone's a leader. Uh, Other people will nuance that um, a little bit. Like what is your growth in leadership track? What does that try to accomplish? Yeah. So we have our starting point first, and then we have our growth track, and then we have our leadership track. So in growth track, we try to set the foundations for a healthy spiritual life. You know, things like financial stewardship. Uh, We offer Financial Peace University, um, spiritual disciplines. We uh, offer, you know, freedom courses to help people get free from some of those deep-seated things that that continue to, you know, rear their heads throughout life and trip us up. Uh, Spiritual, I think I said spiritual disciplines, you know, really living these things out. So then once you get that pretty, you know, firm foundation, we're we're always still growing, but but there are certain things that we can sort of um, learn to build that foundation. Then we can continue to build on that with um, some leadership lessons. So, so we say everybody's a leader. Even if the only person you're leading is yourself, you're still a leader. Uh, that's our philosophy. And so our actually our first leadership track course, there's a series of courses. Um, and the first one is really about how do you lead yourself well? How do I, so good. yes, how do I have so productive yep. conversations and productive dialogue? How do I receive feedback well without getting offended? Um, how do I manage my time well in a way that honors God and serves him well and serves his people? So, uh, and, and then, you know, we feel like the more we grow in those things, then the Lord, as we grow, gives us more opportunity to then perhaps lead others. And whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're an engineer in the workforce, whether you're a CEO, we can use those faith-based principles of leadership um, to to honor the kingdom, to honor God, to and to to grow grow His people and and draw people toward the gospel, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, you mentioned stay-at-home mom and engineer, and I'm going to hop in on that because before you did work on scripture, and we are going to talk about that for sure. <laughs> you were a chemical engineering major. And it warmed my heart a little bit. Our daughter was a biochemical, uh, yeah, no, biomedical engineering major in in college. And I was a hopeless chemistry student in high school. And then (laughs) was, I mean, I feel like I kind of did some miracles in the chem lab in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but the teacher did not did not exactly see it that way. So anyway, uh, I didn't do STEM, but I think, okay, you're a chemical engineering major, and then you get into scripture. Can you connect mm-hmm. the dots a little bit for me? Uh, how, I mean, I think it's awesome, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but h- how did that journey happen? Yeah, I'd love to share that. And really for me, it 
even even parts of my life that seem so disparate are, are really connect because I've, I've always loved creation. Even I came to Christ sort of late in my teens, but even before that, I, I would sense the presence of God in nature. I, I can remember being just a little girl going outside and talking to the birds and... <laughs> That sounds so silly, but but I think really what my young heart sensed was God's presence in creation. And so, uh, you know, once I became a believer, um, I, there was no conception in my mind of, of a ministry calling, but, but I still love learning things. I love learning about creation. And so chemistry and chemical engineering was one avenue for that. And I just really enjoy, even, even on a you know, less obvious scale, the chemical interactions and um, the different properties of, um, of you know, substances and, and elements and just the way all these, even on a small scale, all these elements of creation, how they interact. I found that fascinating and I loved it. And so I didn't leave chemical engineering for ministry because I, because I disliked it. I, I was passionate about it. And, but toward, toward the end of that degree, I just sensed the Lord calling me to ministry. And although I was, you know, a, a bit sad to, to leave that, and, and I never, I didn't work in the industry full-time, but I did work, uh, I had a co-op program. So I worked every other semester for several years at a manufacturing plant. And so I did have some industry experience and, um, you know, it was a little sad to leave that, but I was thrilled and honored that the Lord would call me to, um, to minister full-time and, you know, took steps toward toward going into seminary, and you know, we we initially discussed perhaps taking some uh, remedial courses since all of my undergrad had been very STEM, very technical oriented. But um, you know, once I got started, I, I think I had studied enough on scripture in scripture on my own that they felt like I was um, I was at the standard that that I was sort of good to go. Because even <laughs> even when I was working on chemical engineering. Um, going through my undergrad degree, I can remember sitting uh, at the table studying my Bible and thinking, I've got to, I've got to study for my college courses, but man, I wish I had more time to just dig into scripture. And so the Lord definitely honored that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and um, you're very passionate about environmental stewardship. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about how even your role at church is to create holistic health and creation care, that mindset mm -hmm. uh, in our the followers of Jesus. Yeah, so talk a little bit about this environmental stewardship that um, we all should be really committed to. Yes. Well, as I said, I came to Christ sort of in my late teens, and I've, I've always been passionate about the environment. I've always loved creation and nature, and that's where I feel closest to the Lord. And initially, you know, not knowing a whole lot about scripture, I really didn't see the connection between my faith and environmental stewardship. I really thought it was more of a personal conviction than a faith conviction. But as I, I mentioned that I co-opted a manufacturing plant and one of the projects that I worked on was the, um, it was the recovery and utilities department. What was it? Was it what it was called, but we dealt with um, environmental regulations and violations. And so one of my jobs was to track our violations. And basically the thinking was, we violate these regulations all the time, but actually it's more efficient for this chemical plant to just pay the fines than do anything about it. That oh was my. heartbreaking mm -hmm. to me. 
because mm-hmm. not only was this plant doing it, there there's so many man- manufacturing plants in our in our city, in in our country, in, in our world. And I thought if this one plant is doing it, then I'm sure all the other ones are doing it as well. And what horrible, awful things are we doing to our world? We're just con- continually dumping pollutants, knowing that we're doing it and doing nothing about it. Um, so fast forward a few years when I was working on my PhD, still not super aware that there was a faith basis to environmental stewardship. I heard uh, Sandy Richter came to my school and spoke. I know you know her. and uh, Oh, she's so fantastic. She's yes. Amazing. Shout out to Sandy. Yes. Absolutely. Yes amazing woman of God, amazing scholar, just, just really makes us all proud. <laughs> that's right. So that's right. I, I heard her speak at my school and that's what she spoke on environmental stewardship. And, um, so highly recommend her book, um, stewards of Eden for anyone who hasn't recommended that. Um, one of, one of the best books, at least that I've read on environmental stewardship from a faith basis. Um, so I heard her speak uh, long before that book was published, but it really opened my eyes. Oh, this, this is, there's a strong scriptural basis for this. And in fact, it's sort of foundational to our creation and calling. And that's the point that God really lit my soul up for writing and researching in this area and, and teaching, um, because it's just not something that we talk a lot about in sort of conservative evangelical circles. It's, um, Maybe more so now, but, you know, back when I was growing up as a new believer, we just didn't talk about it. We, it just wasn't something that was important. It wasn't something that we valued, that we talked about. And, you know, to the point, like I said, that I wasn't even aware that there was a faith basis to it. <laughs> so that really inspired me to begin writing and researching and um, trying to make other people aware. Because I know there's lots, lots of people out there like me that probably aren't even aware that there is a legitimate important faith basis to environmental stewardship. Absolutely. And I, I do want to get to your uh, dissertation because that's going to, uh, we're going to talk about um, the new Jerusalem uh, and get into the last couple of chapters of Revelation. But before we do, let's talk about your new devotional, Rooted and Flourishing, um, that, that looks at the season of the fall, the autumn, season. Um, and I mean, that actually the four volumes that you'll do, look at each of the seasons um, and reflect on creation and how that in, in kind of our own, we have our own seasons of life. Yes. Um, the uh, it, it was such a great read. I, I just absolutely loved it. Um, so there's so much in there. But my question it, uh, is, could you point maybe to three spiritual highlights um, maybe or struggles um, as you were writing this, um, this particular um, section or volume on autumn and, and fill us in on even just how this whole idea came to be? Yes, I would love to. And thank you so much for your kind words. Um, in January 2020, and I, I'll give a very abbreviated version because I talk about it in the introduction to the book, but I, I, I've been, I've done a lot of academic writing on eco-theology, eco-sapiential theology, like the, the theology and, uh, of wisdom literature, those kind of things. But I really wanted it to put it in a form 
that was accessible to everyone because a lot of times academic writing is just so boring and tedious for the average churchgoer. So I wanted to be a blessing to the church, not not a tedious, um, you know, something that they would have to just drudge through. And so I prayed about it and prayed about it. And, and as I fasted and prayed, God put upon my heart to write a series of devotionals. And sort of that was the genesis of these books. And I, as I wrote the devotionals, I, I realized that they sort of went with the different seasons of the year. And because, you know, when, when it's in spring, I'm inspired by the growing things. You know, when it's, when it's in summer, I'm inspired by being at the beach and the beauty of the ocean. And, you know, each season of the year has its own blessings and its own trials. And I thought, yeah, wow, that's just like the seasons of our life. You know, every season of our life, um, there are going to be good things. Even when it's a really hard season, there are going to be some wonderful things that God is doing in our life. Um, and so I, I wanted to bring those two concepts together. And, um, so yeah, what I love about it. Yeah. What I loved about it. One of the things, I mean, the teaching is so good. It's so solid. And then, and then I also felt like I was just out there with you in the garden, mm. you know, and, uh, I've got my cup of coffee in the morning and, and you, it's like, you're just kind of opening up creation for me. Although I do have to say it was pretty yucky about the army ones. Okay. <laughs> yes. So there's some yucky, there you are. Know, uh, and if there are people who don't like bugs, you know, just, yes. just a little warning. If, here. if you're squeamish, uh, you're going to have a rough ride through these devotionals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to skip over a couple of these army worms. Just that name. Yeah. It's, it's pretty it's, awful. Uh, it's a little, well, and, and a little yucky, to, but, to your point, yeah. uh, that's my hope. That That is truly mm -hmm. my hope. As I'm writing these, I'm imagining my readers just sitting there with me, hanging out with me on my back patio, and I'm telling stories and just sharing the things that God has taught me through creation, through life, through the dumb things that I've done, the mistakes that I've made. And uh, you mentioned sharing, you know, some some struggles through the writing and, and some benefits. Well, I, I will say one of the, the struggles is as much as I love being outside in creation, I love um, working in my garden, I love getting my hands in the dirt, I love riding my bike, just being out all day long in nature. But in writing the devotionals, I've, I've kind of had to make a hard choice. Like I can get these books done or I can go work in my garden. And so, oh, yeah. so sometimes we have to make those hard choices for the, for the greater good, for the greater benefit. And, and I know it's just a season, right? So it, when the season of writing these devotionals is done, then I'll have um, more time that I can spend in the garden again. So that's been one of the sort of struggles with it is, is having to make some hard um, time choices. Another one of the, the struggles, uh, if people that know me know that my husband's very reserved. My older son is a carbon copy of him, so he's also very reserved. And so, so I've had to find a healthy balance for our family of how much do I share <laughs> still honor them, you know, how much are they going to be comfortable with? Um, and you know, where, where do I pull back? So I've been in close dialogue with all of it. And that's, that's been both a, a, I hate to even say it's a struggle because, you know, as we dialogue about those things together, it, it you know, in some ways it brings us closer and we chat about our experiences and, um, yeah, so maybe I shouldn't even classify that as a, a hard thing. That it's been a good thing. Um, I will say though, yeah. my two teenage boys now who are 18 and 15 aren't as, as willing as they were when they were younger to be used as, as sermon and teaching <laughs> illustrations, bless their hearts. Um, but then, oh. um, I'll share, um, one, one further blessing is that open my eyes even more to 
God's hand in nature and creation. And so when I'm in creation, there's always a, a, another part of my brain that's actively looking for those things, right? So instead of just working in the garden, I'm, I'm noticing things on a deeper level, um, not just for writing the books, but just for my own personal growth. And so that, that's been a huge blessing. What do you think uh, we often miss or what are, what are some of the maybe even two or three that a person like myself who doesn't have your your training when I'm out for my walk, I walk my dogs. I notice you have dogs also. Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, love to walk my dogs um, first thing in the morning. Sometimes now it's it's uh, dark out when I when I'm up and walking them around. Mm -hmm. And so I get to see uh, the fading of the stars and the sun coming mm. up. What are some things, you know, I could be especially attuned to? So as we seek to encounter God through nature, we all know that he doesn't typically speak to us in an audible voice as if we're, you know, speaking to the person standing next to us. But he does speak in that still small voice that we can hear much better if we turn down the volume of the world. So when, you know, God may not give us a direct answer to a decision. Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? You know, how, how do I handle this relationship problem I'm having? But if we can slow down the pace of our life enough to, to go on those walks when it's quiet outside, when, when the stars are fading and the, the sun is rising, it, it can help quiet our soul and our mind enough that we can hear that still small voice. Um, we have to go into, when we're seeking God through his creation. We have to go into it with the right expectations. So don't get disappointed if you don't get an audible voice that tells you what to do about the problem you're having. But we can rest in his presence enough to get direction and guidance and, and hear him more clearly. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And that's a great segue into talking about uh, your book that you produced um, on the Temple yes. of Presence. Uh, which is your published uh, dissertation. And it takes some of its cues from Revelation 21 uh, through the early part of 22. The beginning of chapter 21 of Revelation, uh, John the seer says this, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with mm. them. What a beautiful, amazing picture. You know, we've been talking about the creation, but as believers, we also look forward to the new heaven and a new earth a new creation. Um, you know, what, um, what, why is it so important that we know about this new Jerusalem? I, I rarely hear sermons on it. What, what did you discover in your research and why, why is it important for us as believers to know about this new Jerusalem, yes. this new heavens and new earth? It's vital to our faith, Lynn. I, I wanted to write about this because I, like you said, I think it is so neglected. Um, and I think there are two primary components, two primary reasons why we need to understand this as the people of God. So 
In traditional evangelicalism, we sort of envision the New Jerusalem as this, uh, you know, city made of gems and gold, and, and it's sort of shining and floating up in the clouds, and we'll go there when we die. Uh, or we'll go there when Jesus comes back and the whole entire, you know, earth is burned up, and so we have to sort of move to this new place. Uh, but that actually is, is a massive misunderstanding and uh, really diminishes what Scripture is actually trying to show us and give us. Uh, when we study the text closely, closely, we learn that the New Jerusalem is actually the entirety of creation, and it's uh, in its restored form. It's sort of the Eden as it should have been. It's not just a, a city floating out somewhere. It's it's our restored heaven and earth. It's um, sort of, N.T. Wright describes it really well. It's sort of our, in the Bible project as well, our realm coming back into union with uh, God's realm. And, and that's why I call it temple of presence, because we'll, we'll be able to dwell fully in his presence for all eternity in this new heaven slash earth. Now, a lot of mm, traditional conservative evangelicals have um, not given a lot of attention to environmental stewardship because, well, if it's going to be burned up anyway, what's it matter? What, you know, God, God gave us this earth to use however we want. We're going to use it up and then we'll be done and then we'll go to our sort of new Jerusalem. Well, when we think that way, we're missing the blessings that God has for us here and now. And it, it diminishes our desire to care for our earth. So I sort of think of it in the same way as stewarding our physical body. You know, just because we're going to get a new, a new body and a new self when Jesus returns, we're going to have a renewed earth. In the meantime, that doesn't mean that we have the license to destroy it and abuse it and misuse it. Um, so I think that understanding that this world that we have is going to be restored, I think understanding that helps us to um, steward it much better. And it helps us, it helps motivate us to move his kingdom forward on the earth, to establish his kingdom. And, and we're not just waiting for heaven when we die, but... We get to experience his blessings right now. And the more we live out those kingdom values, the more of his presence, right, we get to experience here and now. So that's that's sort of the first really important um, aspect of it is the, the environmental stewardship. And then the, the, the second, which I already, you know, sort of segued into is um, the point of the new creation, the new Jerusalem, isn't like a reward we get when we die, but it's to be in the presence of Jesus. So number one, we steward our, our world better. Number two, we move closer and closer to the presence of Jesus in the here and now, not just something that we're trying to be good and behave until we die and get to go to heaven. Oh, and that's so good. And that puts a a framework for me also on this word discipleship that we kind of started our conversation looking at. I, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. Discipleship is not about that, but it's growing closer to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to shape us so that we can walk worthy of our calling, as Paul would say at the beginning of Ephesians 4. If there's a a word of encouragement you could give our listeners as you you know work in the church deeply as you're committed to the um, environmental steward uh, stewardship. What's a word of encouragement you'd like to to give to our listeners about and and about your um, reflecting on your devotions that you're 
that you're writing? What kind of word of encouragement would you like to give? Yes, absolutely. Well, just to build on what you just said, um, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about trying to behave to get some kind of reward. It's just experiencing the love of God and leaning into him and allowing him to transform us through his love. And that comes along so many different avenues. Um, environmental stewardship is super complicated issue. There's no like list of things you can do to make it happen or list of things you shouldn't do because in, in the complex world we live in, uh, sometimes our actions have vast unforeseen consequences, like recycling, for example. Uh, we want to recycle, like I, I try to recycle, but I also am aware that a lot of my recycling gets dumped in the ocean instead of actually being recycled. recycled. And so it's leaning into the Lord and asking him, what can I do today? What small steps can I take today? It, it doesn't have to be world changing. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. What small steps can I take today to honor the Lord, draw closer to his presence and move his kingdom forward? And, and so that would be my encouragement is whatever your profession is, whatever your calling is, whatever you do in your day to day life, just take the next step toward Jesus. Oh, that's wonderful. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. I look forward to the rest of your volumes coming out, your devotions, and I encourage our um, listeners to get Rooted and Flourishing, the first one that's out. Check out uh, Andrea's website. She's got all the information there. Uh, and for those of you who are Bible geeks, like me, check out her dissertation, her published dissertation as well, um, The Temple of Presence. It's a great read. Uh, thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us on the Alabaster Jar. Thank you for having me. This has been a delightful conversation. You've been listening to an episode of the Alabaster Jar podcast. If you enjoyed this week's conversation with Dr. Andrea Robinson, check out the episode description for links to connect with her and purchase her books. Your support makes our work here on the Alabaster Jar possible. So thank you for joining us. Please share, subscribe, and join us here next week for another conversation on issues that impact women at the intersection of faith, ministry, and theology.